as you are looking for your authentic self, are you more scared of acceptance or rejection of who that person is? And for me, the answer is acceptance. When I actually come out and say, this is authentically who I am, if that person is rejected, that is okay, because then I can go back to who I was. But if that person accepted, that means I have to live as that person. Part of that's terrifying. Welcome. You're on air with Ella, where we share simple strategies and tips from people who are doing something better than we are. Whether it's wellness or relationships to just living better and with more energy or changing your mindset to accomplish more in your own life and succeeding however you define it. This is where we share the best of what we're learning from the experts and we're learning more every day. Live better. Start now. Let's go. Hey, you're on air with Ella, and I am joined today by Elizabeth Rosenberg. Hi, Elizabeth. How are you? Hi, thank you for having me. I'm well. Elizabeth, will you tell everyone who you are and what you do? Yeah. So again, my name is Elizabeth Rosenberg, and I am the founder of The Good Advice Company. I just give good advice. That's it. (laughs) Can't stop. Uh, I'm a communications and marketing consultant. I started my company in 2020 and dove into the unknown. And I am now doing a lot of consulting with C-suite leaders on their personal branding, thought leadership, and finding their purpose. So you and I met because we're both the part of a professional women's network. And also I came across an article that you wrote for Medium. And can you, do you mind giving the listeners a little bit of an overview about that? And then we'll talk a little bit more about why we're talking about it. But can you share a little bit of your story that led to that article? Of course. I was working for a global ad agency, huge agency, um, had my dream job. I was working for one of the best brands in the world, traveling all over the world. And I suffered from corporate burnout. I landed myself in the emergency room with a migraine where I lost all of my motor skills. Now, a migraine for me is something I've been suffering from since I was around four years old, but this was different. I mean, I couldn't talk. I couldn't walk. I couldn't move. It was crazy. A migraine that results in no motor skills is way more than a migraine. Yeah. I mean, I thought that I was having a stroke. I remember like my speech started to slur. And of course, you know, I, I, I am woman, hear me roar. I drove myself to the hospital. My not recommended. Swollen. No, not recommended. Don't do that. And by the time I got to the hospital, I kind of like poured myself out of the car. Like it was the whole thing was just, I, it felt like a movie happening. And when I got there, they thought that I was either having a stroke or that I was experiencing a drug overdose, but I did not have the wherewithal to be able to tell them what was wrong with me. It was a comedy of errors in a variety of ways. It was also terrifying. And around four hours later, once they finally figured out what's wrong with me, I was feeling better, got home and started working again. And I think that's the worst part about burnout is you don't actually know that it's happened to you until it has happened. And even then, it's very hard to accept that that's what's happened to you because it is partly your fault. You have ignored the signs. You have accepted um, the lifestyle that has led to that. And you have very few boundaries that have kind of helped you keep burnout at bay. So it has been a life lesson to try to combat this, but also like see it before it happens. Let's talk about the word burnout for just a minute, because that word, wow, is that floating around the zeitgeist right now, anywhere and everywhere, right? And I think a lot of people can relate to it, but some people aren't necessarily experiencing, say, corporate burnout, so to speak. 
I look at burnout, no matter where you are, as just a complete lack of balance in your life. So when one thing is throwing the scales off or a multitude of things is throwing the scales off completely and you feel entirely unaligned, what would your definition of burnout be? Burnout for me is a little bit different. Burnout for me is actually the physical manifestation of that imbalance. And it can manifest in a gazillion different ways to each individual person. I mean, I know people who've gone like blind in one eye and your body gives you cues and gives you hints that it's coming, but we're as a society moving so quickly and we don't want to acknowledge a lot of those cues that we just ignore them. And even that, not to pick on us humans, but it's not even just that we don't want to acknowledge it. We want a gold star for being busy and productive and hyper-stressed and working. Isn't there something innate in many of us that that sort of salivates at the idea of being like acknowledged for our productivity or thinks that there's some sort of reward for this busyness? 100%. And I always tell everybody that like my burnout was caused by me doing much more than what was being asked of me. And I also loved my job. I think that there's this, there's like this misnomer that you can only burn out if you've been at a company for 20 years and that you're depressed and that you hate your job. And that wasn't the case. I actually loved my job and I loved what I was doing, but I wanted to be successful. I wanted to be acknowledged. I wanted to be seen. I wanted to be valued. And for me, that meant working harder and working way above the kind of like mental, emotional, physical, and spiritual um, capacity that I actually had at the moment. Yeah. And I think that's super, super relatable. And again, whether it's your big corporate job doing this or whether you're a caretaker for someone and it just absolutely drains you of your life's battery, there are so many different variations of this, but you meet people where they are, right? When they've experienced this and what do you do for them? How do you help them? It's funny. I don't actually think that I'm like the burnout helper. I think that when people do burnout, I think it's more important that you're working with a coach, that you're working with a therapist, that you're figuring out actually what your triggers are and what you need to be able to combat that. Because once you have burnt out, you need to actually get a toolkit and get a process in place to put boundaries around everything that you were ignoring before. So I I think the best example for this is like, I worked with the coach and I went on a very extensive wellness journey to figure out what I can do and how I can see the signs of burnout when they're coming to me earlier. I mean, we were talking about this earlier, but like I was starting to burn out just talking about burnout. Like everyone in the world is talking about burnout right now. And there's so many definitions. There's so many ways that it's different for every for everyone that it can feel like a lot. And there's also so much going on in the world. We have to assume that everyone is on the brink of burnout all the time. Elizabeth and I were laughing right before we pressed report because we're like, I'm kind of tired of talking about burnout. <laughs> and I'll be honest with you, Elizabeth, there is a part of me that feels, it feels a little indulgent too, because like my grandparents grew up in the World War II era, right? They didn't have time to sit around and talk about burnout. But isn't that part of the problem that I don't even have grace enough to recognize when 
I am flaming out because it feels indulgent. Have you ever talked to anyone who's as problematic as I am? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, you know, it's funny. We talk about that a lot. It's, I think there's different generations that are like, why is this generation so in touch with their feelings and why do they feel the need (laughs) to talk about everything? But this is, you know, we're also a generation that everyone is very open about what they need and being in therapy and needing coaches and needing exercise and all of that stuff. Do I feel like we might always be overcorrecting? Sure. But I also think that it is it was such an injustice to not talk about those things and to just be okay with burning out and working all those hours and having life feel like it's imploding around you. I mean, social media has also had a huge effect on that, of the Mm -hmm. ability to just kind of like throw all your stuff out into the world and either get slammed for it or get empathy for it. So we just live in a very different time of communication and us being, you know, both of us being communicators, watching it all happen has been fascinating. Social media in general, you can choose your relationship with it. And I think that everyone thinks that we just, because we live in the now, it is required for us to be on social media. It is required for us to voice our opinion. It's required for us to post about our stance on a political issue. It is not. You can make that choice yourself. And I think that we put so much pressure on ourselves around what everyone else thinks about us. It actually drives us to burn out faster. And I think as you were saying too, if somebody had said to me three years ago, you will be the poster child for burnout. I would have told that person that they were insane because when I put out my story, I had so much anxiety. I threw up that morning. I was like, everyone is going to think that I'm weak. No one is going to want to work with me anymore. But it was something that I needed to share. It was something I needed to get out. And once I got it out, I mean, it's been a year and I still get emails saying like, thank you for at least starting to talk about this because now I don't feel so alone. And if this happened to you, like obviously it can happen to anyone. One thing that you and I have in common and something that we've talked about offline a little bit is, okay, burnout, schmurnout, we're all there. And so why don't we pair with the discussion and say, okay, so what? And the so what to me is whether you've hit the wall or whether you're just tired of doing the same thing over and over again, or whether you feel that you're just missing your own personal mark, to me, a more interesting conversation is how do we live in our purpose? Like, how do we actually do something that lights us up and doesn't necessarily drain us, but actually gives to us? Is that possible? Can people do that? I think it takes practice like anything else. I think that there's this idea that you can burn out and then you can quit your job. And as everyone is in the great resignation, we're all trying to find what fills our cup versus what takes it. But the reality is it takes a long time to understand that. I went through a very intense kind of wellness journey after my burnout. And that was again, because I'm like, I don't ever want to get back to that place. I cannot get back to that place that is not healthy. That is not good for me. And you need to actually see what works for you. And the reality is like, there is no silver bullet for what works for you. I have tried everything. I have done everything from past life regression to allergy shots, you know, twice a week for three years. Like I was willing to do anything. And the reality is too, is when you were on that journey of trying to find what fills your cup, what, what is your purpose? What makes you happy? And also what makes you money? The process can be long and it can be uh, a little painful and it can take time. So it's funny because you were saying grace and I, I, that is the best advice that I can ever give anyone is to have a little grace around your situation and 
give grace to those who are also in the same position that we're in. Like the world is really a lot right now. So have a little empathy and a little, a little grace around every situation you're in. And what does that look like to you? Can you give me an example of what that would look like to you in your personal or professional life? Yeah. I mean, yesterday was a great example for me. I had phone calls literally from like 8 a.m. until 8 p.m. And I had four people either be late or totally ghost me. Now, I know that's not about me. (laughs) And I also know that like you always have to be aware that there's something else going on in somebody else's life that's not about you. Everything is not about you. When I finally accepted that everything was not about me, game changer. Because somebody can come to you and somebody can come in hot. And I think a lot of the time, like, especially you have other people on the, you know, on the other end of your Zoom that are experiencing something going on, either they got in a fight with their partner, you know, their kids were, were rough today. They had an issue with their boss, anything that's going on. The reminder that it's not about you is the best advice that I, that I have ever received because it makes me respond versus react. I have the it's not about you disease myself. Like I have, that's the antidote to my disease. My disease is I'm a Leo. <laughs> I'm a Virgo. So I totally understand that. And the yeah. antidote to Leoness, Virgoness is, yeah. is really, honestly, I say out loud sometimes it's not about you. Now I'm, I'm adept at giving the benefit of the doubt to strangers. So if somebody's grumpy to me in a checkout line, it doesn't phase me in the slightest. And I want to like leave a little warmth in that space and then head out. But in my, if I'm connected to someone at all, I have to force myself to give that benefit of the doubt. And it's not, I don't mean it's so laborious because I've been practicing. So the muscles getting bigger, but it is a conscious intentional effort. And I think that what you just said is brilliant because it puts you in a position to respond instead of react. And it's interesting because again, getting back to how you find your purpose, I really recommend not necessarily thinking, and this is just for work purposes, not necessarily thinking that you're pigeonholed into your industry, but really thinking about what in your skill set you're good at and how that can be transferable in other places. So a lot of the C-suite leaders that I work with have found success or not even soon to be, you know, aspiring C-suite leaders have found success and are really good at their skill set, but don't have purpose in the industry that they're in kind of over healthcare, kind of over communications, over marketing, and are looking for how else they can find something transferable. I also think leaning into whatever it is that you're really good at. So I have one client that I work with. She's a CMO. She's amazing, but she is a builder. She is an operator and she is a doer. CMOs in the world that we live in are technically or normally seen as a visionary. Well, if you've got a CEO that's a visionary and a CMO that's a visionary, you've got a company that has a lot of big ideas and nobody to actually make them happen. So we really chatted about the fact that like she needed to lean into her skill set of being the best right-hand person possible for a visionary. The second she started talking about that and she was able to change her narrative and how and what she's good at, the world totally opened up for her. And she realized what filled her cup, you know? And a CMO for the unindoctrinated is a chief marketing officer. So what I'm hearing you saying is lean into your skill set, which could be transferable to a different industry or application. 
A hundred percent. There are people who are amazing people managers and no one teaches you how to manage people, by the way. But if you are saying that mentoring and managing people brings you joy and fills your cup, lead with that as one of your skill sets when you are in your job or when you are looking to do something else. And authentically like talk about that on LinkedIn. Choose something that is actually authentic to you. Are you a great people manager? Talk about why you're a great people manager. Have you experienced burnout? Share that story with everyone. Are you living a life that is sober? Why are you doing that? And how is that affecting your your place in corporate America? There are so many authentic stories that you can actually build on that make you relatable and make you interesting. Don't do what everybody else is doing, but you have to be brave to do that (laughs) and vulnerable and all of the things, right? And I'll tell you something, Elizabeth, that I personally get caught up in. I don't know if you've experienced this, but you know, you hear people saying that they're finally living in their purpose or they've connected their purpose to how they earn their money. And I, it feels sometimes like I've missed the boat on discovering my purpose, you know, or finding your passion, like everyone on the internet seems to have done. And, and it's like, well, I, I have lots of things that light me up and I earn a living. And those two things don't always intersect, but the interwebs would have you believe that you can find your purpose. Like it's some sort of buried treasure and some people find it and some people don't. And I'm calling bunk on that one. What do you think? I 100% agree with that. There is no black and white answer for purpose and what that means to you. The other thing is that your purpose can change. What lights you up now doesn't necessarily mean that is going to light you up in a year or two or three. There is no finite answer for this. What if finding our purpose was to be who you are authentically in that moment for today. And then maybe tomorrow your purpose is to do that tomorrow. And then maybe your purpose on Thursday is to do that. So what you're doing can change, but your purpose may very well be showing up as your integrated, authentic self and speaking from there or acting from there. What if that's the buried treasure? Well, but I think that people struggle with even knowing what their authentic self is. As you are looking for your authentic self, are you more scared of acceptance or rejection of who that person is? And for me, the answer is acceptance. I have lived 40 something years of being rejected of who I authentically am. And no one seems to have a problem with that. Everyone really likes that person. But when I actually come out and say, this is authentically who I am, if that person is rejected, that is okay. Cause then I can go back to who I was. But if that person accepted, that means I have to live as that person. Part of that's terrifying. What does that look like in the professional realm for you? It, it's interesting because I a few years ago I had gone through this. What is my purpose process? And you know, what makes me happy and all that stuff. When I launched my business in September of 2020, I really wanted to work with people to help kind of share their authentic voice. And for that, I have found that a lot of women need permission to talk about the things that they are great at and to also talk about the things where they've had successes. So there's an amazing program called I Am Remarkable by Google. I was a facilitator for them for a few years. And it is a hour-long, two-hour-long workshop that you can do over that you do digitally or over Zoom that really teaches us how to speak about our successes and to humbly brag without really sounding like bragging. It's not bragging if it's based in facts, but as women, and I think as minority groups, we need permission to talk about those things. 
the data would show that you are 100% correct. And it's funny because we get a little itchy and feel like we're bragging, whereas <laughs> I can tell you, I'll just, I won't say all men, not all men, just every man I know. <laughs> it's very comfortable saying what they're good at and they're unabashed and good for them. I strive to be more like that. But also women have been taught to use the word we. So in every bio I ever read, it says, you know, my team and I, or I led the team that did this. Men say, I did this. They use the term I. So the term we has actually been quite detrimental to female growth and leadership in terms of how we speak about ourselves and how we talk about collaboration, because it immediately says that we did it as a group versus taking credit for ourselves. It's dilutive. 100%. Women, I give you permission to use the word I. I need permission for everything. I have found that getting permission and asking for permission from things seems to be so silly, but it's an unbelievably important thing. Tell me more about that. Last year, as I was burning out talking about burnout, (laughs) I had a session with my coach and just said, I am super tired. The end of the year is aggressive and there's a lot going on in the world. And I just am really nervous taking a step back. I need like permission to not work. He was like, okay, you have permission to not work. And I was like, oh, okay, thank you. And just receiving that permission from someone else was an unbelievable game changer. But you have to have self-awareness around the fact that you need it and asking for it. It's just like accountability. Sometimes we just need that small measure of accountability. And even if you've begged your best friend to be your accountability partner and be like, I'm just going to text you that I walked today. (laughs) You're the one setting up the permission, the process, but it can still be quite effective. That is 100% correct. And I have to say for somebody like me who likes order and process and all of those things, getting that permission externally was a game changer for me. One more thing that you said that I just want to pull out of this conversation, Elizabeth, is another word that's been bounced around now for, you know, a little excessively is the word authenticity and being your authentic self. And so I just want to go back to that because unless we talk about what that really means in practical terms, I think it can sound weightless and easier than it should be. Um, And so I want to talk about what that means. I think there's a few things around personal branding and authenticity. It is a overplayed, not great word. When I talk to people about being your authentic self in terms of business and professionally, the reality is that not everyone needs to be famous. And I think we live in a society where, I mean, it feels like everyone wrote a book in 2020. I did not. Or they made banana bread. (laughs) I mean, good Lord. The reality is we have uncovered that half of us are introverts and have really liked being at home and have liked switching from Zooms to phone calls and enjoyed the company of their small group of people. There's also people like me who are like, oh my God, where are the people? I'm an extrovert and I need the attention. What is happening? We need to get in touch with what makes us comfortable and what again, like makes us excited, what brings you joy. I really push on people to think about being defined by who we are, not what we do. And if someone was to write your obituary tomorrow, what would your legacy be? Would it be that you worked at this company and you did this for a job? Or would it be that you were a kind, thoughtful person that everyone wanted to be around, that mentored and you know gave back? I'm not telling you you need to go out and do those things because if you make an impact on one person's life, great for you. But the reality is the way that bios are reading on LinkedIn right now 
make it so clear that we are strictly defined by what it is that we do. And we need to present ourselves in a larger capacity. If you are trying to live your purpose, talk more about who you are. Can you live your purpose? Can you live as your authentic self and still make a living in corporate America? People are dying to know. (laughs) I mean, I am. I'm amplifying the voices of others, but I have also built this business around the type of person I am. It was very, very intentional that I hone in on my skill set and that I choose a business model that made me happy because I, after working for 25 years, didn't want to keep doing the same thing. So having an, you know, being an entrepreneur and entrepreneur and, um, consulting and all that stuff, the hustle is real, but I'm finding a lot of joy in it, you know? (laughs) But for some people, that hustle is flow. I think that we can take everything too far. And if we are trying to combat burnout and just being fried and stress and, you know, hustle, 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 I think that we can go too far on the other side of the spectrum where we should never effort again and everything should just flow. And that's great, but that's not going to pay my mortgage. So somewhere in between there, isn't there a life where my hustle is my flow? Like I actually enjoy what I'm doing and therefore it uh, self-propagates energy. Isn't, can I live in that world? And, And I think you can. I think it starts with this curiosity that you mentioned. And I'm about to ask you what resource you would recommend to get people started on this journey. And one that helped me a lot and gave me some direction were some books by Danielle Laporte. So I'll share those. One was the Desire Map and the other was the Firestarter Session. So I'll link to those and share those. But Elizabeth, if you wanted to help someone launch on this journey of self-reflection, because that's where it starts, that helps them kind of meet at an intersection where their life's work can also attached to some purpose for them, what would you suggest for them? Where would they start? The first place I always start is to think about if you, how you can find purpose outside of work. Because I think if you can find it outside of work, know that it's not all going to happen overnight. So really like kind of ease in. In terms of books and kind of like practices, I have The Alchemist behind me. I give it to all of my clients. I think it is an unbelievable story that for self-reflection and journey, especially in the world that we're living in right now, it's short and it is lovely. Another book that I would really recommend reading is called Essentialism. And it's the idea, it's funny, Chelsea Handler posted it on her Instagram story like four years ago or something, and I've given it to everyone as well. And it's the idea that like we don't have to do everything all the time. And it's so much better to do a couple things really, really well than a bunch of things meh. Seeing that process and how he really changed his daily activities into this idea and practice of essentialism, game changer. Elizabeth, thank you so much for your time and your wisdom today. Where can people find you? I love it when people can find me on LinkedIn. It's just Elizabeth Rosenberg and my company's website at thegoodadvicecompany.com. Okay. You know, I'll link to everything and make it super easy. Okay. I did not warn you we're going to do this. So if you need a moment, take it. I want to know, what are you loving right now? I'm always hitting everybody up for their recommendations. What are you loving right now? I have really, really, really tried to read more. I love the Libby app. So it's just access to public libraries. The and what? you can get Libby, L-I-B-B-Y. I heard that app. as one word. Okay. The Libby Sorry. app. Yes. 
<laughs> and you can get books sent directly to your Kindle or your iPad. It's incredible. And then I really like the app Likewise. So you put in stuff that you like, shows that you've watched, books that you've read, and it gives you recommendations on those of what other what other things you might like in that. Podcasts are in there too. It's a really cool app. Oh, I've never heard of that before. So Libby, I know. I don't know if Libby's global. I'll check that out. Actually, I'll just link to it and you guys can figure it out. But likewise, I've never heard of before. It was an Instagram ad for me. I am such a sucker. I will put all of this in the show notes. You can find them at onairella.com associated with this episode. Elizabeth, thank you so much. Thank you. Okay, that's a wrap. I hope you enjoyed today's show and got something out of it that you can use. If you did and you want to learn more, find me on Instagram at onairwithella or get the show notes and links at onairella.com. There's no with. It's just onairella.com. Thanks for listening. Thank you for sharing the show. And thanks for inspiring me. You are quite simply awesome.